sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two, the morning after, live right here on this Tuesday on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the SportsGrid Network as well. As well. I am Ben Stevens. We thank you for joining us on this Tuesday morning, a Tuesday show that at times will feel different than our normal programming here on the morning after. Following a very scary scene last night in Cincinnati, and DeMar Hamlin, the second-year safety for the Buffalo Bills, collapsing on the turf midway through the first quarter against the Bengals last night. We do not have a further update on DeMar Hamlin as of this Tuesday morning. The latest update we have is the statement from the Buffalo Bills prior to 2 a.m. Eastern time in the overnight hours. As soon if slash when we get any more information surrounding DeMar Hamlin's condition, we will bring it to you live right here on the morning after as we continue to go around the sports landscape big news out of college football yesterday as both bryce young and will anderson jr from alabama who both played in the sugar bowl for alabama on new year's eve have declared for the 2023 nfl draft and the reigning heisman winner and bryce young who won the award in the 2021 college football season is the odds-on favorite to be the number one overall selection in 2023. As you look at the odds on your screen right there, Young, a minus 115 price ahead of the Ohio State quarterback and C.J. Stroud. Two SEC defenders, including Anderson, alongside Georgia's Jalen Carter, tied for the third-best price at plus 750. Entering this final weekend of the National Football League regular season, the Houston Texans have the league's worst record they would be slotted into that number one overall pick but the Texans only a two and a half point dog against the Indianapolis Colts who will start Sam Ellinger the Chicago Bears are next in line currently would have that number two overall selection but the Bears a four point dog against the Minnesota Vikings and the Vikings still have motivation for potentially that top seed in the NFC we could see a change in pace I mentioned that because if the Bears pick number one overall they don't need a quarterback like the Texans do. Maybe that's where a defender like Will Anderson or Jalen Carter could see their odds become shorter. January 2nd, a big day in college football, a special day in Tampa Bay, Florida. At Raymond James Stadium, where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play their home games, there's a large pirate ship that presides over the stadium. It felt fitting, a fitting scene for the man known as the pirate, Mike Leach. In the first football game following his passing, at the age of 61, the Mississippi State Bulldogs faced off against Illinois in the ReliaQuest Bowl. Mississippi State was a three-point favorite entering the football game, and they have a miracle cover at the end based on a pitchy-pitchy woo-woo that they take back for a touchdown. The Bulldogs with an emotional and special and memorable victory in honor of the Pirate Mike Leach yesterday, 19-10 over the Illini. A nine-play 68-yard drive in the final two minutes of the football game. Massimo Biscardi, a 27-yarder that gave the Bulldogs the lead for good. And then Marcus Banks returns that 60-yard fumble return touchdown 
after Illinois tries to pitch out the football game to have some semblance of trying to win, but it allowed Mississippi State to cover. And one final cover for Mike Leach, the Pirate, and a victory that you could see meant everything to that Mississippi State football program. A welcome to our Sports Grid radio audience here. Hour number two of the morning after, live on TMA. Sirius XM, channel 159. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the mix as well. I am Ben Stevens. Four bowl games yesterday in college football. It started with the ReliaQuest Bowl between Mississippi State and Illinois. Next up was the Citrus Bowl, the Cheese Citrus Bowl, between LSU and Purdue. Purdue with an interim staff. Ryan Walters, the former defensive coordinator for Illinois, will take the reins for the Boilermakers. Next year, Brian Kelly caps off a sensational first year in Baton Rouge with his 10th win for LSU, an absolute rout of the Boilermakers yesterday, 63-7. to The Bayou Bengals covering as a 15-and-a-half point favorite, the first of six double-digit favorites this college football bowl season to cover a number. LSU almost put up nearly 600 yards of total offense yesterday. Now we transition to college basketball, where for the fourth straight week, Purdue checked in as the number one team in the men's college basketball AP Top 25. That will be short-lived. Because Purdue entered the week one of two unbeatens in all of college basketball, number 21, New Mexico, as you see right there, the other. The Boilermakers no longer unbeaten. They host Rutgers last night as an eight-and-a-half-point favorite inside Mackey Arena. And for the second consecutive year, your family, your religion, and Rutgers basketball pulls off the upset over top-ranked Purdue, 65 64, the victory for Steve Peichel and the Scarlet Knights outright. Purdue entered last night with a 20-to-1 price to win the national championship. Houston, the number two team in the country, the shortest number we have seen on the Cougs all year long, now a plus 650 number. The reigning number one team in women's college basketball has remained that way all year long because they won the national title a season ago and have been number one the entirety of this season as South Carolina, number one once again in the short favorite to win another national championship. Stanford has been number two all year, the second best price in women's college hoops to cut down the nets as national champions. We check in on the ice up next here on the morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A tradition to start the new year in the National Hockey League. Yesterday at Fenway Park in Boston, Massachusetts. We check in on the ice right now, live right here on this Tuesday on the morning after. Johnny Lazarus joins the show right here on TMA. He covers the NHL for Bleacher Report, a contributor to the Action Network as well. Johnny, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on this Tuesday on the morning after. Thank you, Ben. I really appreciate you guys having me on here. Uh, I've been following for a while, so it's nice to make my debut here. We're glad to have you here to have this debut on this Tuesday following the Winter Classic at Fenway Park yesterday with the NHL's best team and the Boston Bruins 
same uh, new year, but same Boston team entering 2023. Their 29th victory of the season, Johnny. They have an NHL best 62 points at this juncture of the NHL season. I'm sure there are many words and many positives you could use to describe the Boston Bruins so far this season. But Johnny, what has impressed you most about the Bees this year in the NHL? Well, I think the craziest thing when it comes to the Bruins this season is most people predicted them to have a really rough start because they started the year without their best defenseman, Charlie McAvoy, and without one of their best forwards, Brad Marchand. So there was a lot of question marks coming into the season in regards to this team, if they can figure it out and not fall behind too much in the standings and have to play catch up, you know, at this time of the year. But they started off incredibly hot. They had guys step up like Hampus Lindholm. Taylor Hall has been playing well. Jake DeBrusque obviously scored those two goals yesterday. Uh, in a big time when they needed it because, let's face it, the first two periods, Boston did not look very good. I thought Pittsburgh was the more dominant team, and, um, you know, Boston obviously has been the best third-period team in the NHL this year, and they showed it yesterday, so, you know, hard to attest to that. But in my mind, I think the most impressive thing with Boston right now is Linus Olmark in goal. I mean, the guy has lost two games the entire season, one in regulation, one in overtime, and it, it just seems like it's impossible to score on him. He's huge. I was standing next to him, um, you know, during the practice, on Sunday, I believe, and I was just like looking up at the guy, like, how can anyone shoot and, and find an open area in the net on him? Like, he's literally just huge. Um, but just the team overall, their power play has been great, their penalty kill, every single area of their game is, you know, as close to perfect as you can get. And, you know, they kind of have that mentality, like, they're never out of the game. So if they go down, you always feel like they're going to come back. And it's been really fun to watch. And, and just everything off the ice as well. They, get along so well obviously it was really cool watching them walk in those old school Red Sox uniforms yesterday kind of had a sense that they were going to win right from that right when they got off the bus but uh yeah everything about this team has been really fun to watch and really fun to follow say so a 2-1 victory for the Boston Bruins over the Pittsburgh Penguins in the 2023 Winter Classic again a league best 62 points right now a 29-4-4 overall record and Johnny as we showed right there the odds on favorite for the President's Trophy in the National Hockey League this year, minus 145 for Boston. What do you believe the outlook is the rest of this season for the Bruins? Well, I'm still waiting for them to lose at home in regulation. I think that's something we haven't even talked about yet, which is the most insane statistic right now. Like, you know, there has been teams that have had a lead on them late in the third, and like I said, they've been the best third-period team all year long, and for some reason, no one can close it out on them. I don't know why, I don't know how, but it, that's been the most impressive thing, I think, about them, and the rest of the season, I don't, I don't see anyone that's going to catch them. You know, they, they like I said, they've been the best team basically offensively all year long. Power play and, and defense has been even more impressive than their offense, which is insane because, you know, their offense has been electric, as most people like to say. But, man, I, I really don't see anyone catching the Bruins. I think they're the clear-cut favorite for a reason. And, you know, minus 145 is honestly a little juicy for January for uh, a President's Trophy favorite. It might be, and that's where the odds stand at this moment to start off 2023. One of the best records out in the Western Conference, the Vegas Golden Knights. A huge showdown against the reigning Stanley Cup winners in the Colorado Avalanche yesterday in Denver. And Vegas goes on the road and picks up a victory 3-2 to two over the Avs. Johnny, as you look at both of these teams, the reigning Stanley Cup champs, in the abs and the vegas golden knights 54 points at this point of the nhl season how do you view both of these teams at this moment well for vegas let's start there because i think they had a really disappointing year last year and since they've joined the nhl they've been nothing but success i mean they haven't won the stanley cup yet but 
you know, they've made some deep playoff runs and they've gotten to the playoffs almost every single year. And I think the biggest question mark for them coming into this season was their goaltending. But Logan Thompson is having a phenomenal rookie season. And the most impressive thing about Vegas right now is their road record, which is 15-3-2. Everyone thinks that playing at Vegas is probably one of the hardest rinks to play in because, let's face it, teams like to have a good time the night before they play against the Golden Knights when they're in <laughs> Vegas. And who, who wouldn't want to, right? I mean, you're, you know, I've actually never been to Vegas still, so I can't really touch on it. But I imagine it's a hell of a time. So, um, you know, Vegas's home record is only 11-9-0 this year, which is, you know, typically – the opposite of what we usually see with them, but they've been phenomenal on the road, like I said before, and they have a ton of talent and Jack Eichel, you know, up front, obviously, and William Carlson and, you know, on the back end, they got Petrangelo and, and goal Thompson's been amazing. You know, he, he honestly could be a caller finalist for rookie of the year as well. And, you know, to touch on the defending Stanley cup champions, Colorado avalanche, they've had a lot of injuries and, you know, that's common when you go on a deep playoff run all the way into basically the end of June, you know, Nathan McKinnon was out for a long time. Valerie Nachushkin was out for a bit after leading the league and scoring like early on to start the year. But Mika Rantanen stepped up, you know, a ton in their absence. He's been playing really well for the Avalanche, scoring a ton of goals and producing a lot of offense. They still don't have their captain, Gabriel Landeskog, and they lost their starting goaltender that led them to the Stanley Cup final last year in Darcy Kemper. So, you know, a lot of things did change for this team, but, you know, I think come February, March, when they get fully healthy, they'll start to ramp it up again, knowing that the playoffs are right around the corner and, you know, this is obviously a team that is so deep with, you know, Cal McCarr in the blue line, like I said before, McKinnon, Lannisgog, and Rantanen up front. I mean, I don't think anyone should be worried about the Colorado Avalanche. A slightly disappointing start for the Avalanche relative to expectation, but I think you're right, Johnny. Still optimism the rest of the way, and certainly as we approach the postseason. We can see that still in the odds. The Avs were booked as the short Stanley Cup favorites entering this new year in the NHL and were the favorites all year long despite some of the struggles until late last week when the Bruins finally moved past them. Six to one now the price on Boston, your Stanley Cup favorites. The Avs still the second best number at plus 700. Who would you have right now, Johnny, as your Stanley Cup favorite this year in the NHL? Oh my God, that's tough. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to say anyone but Boston right now. But I guess like a yeah. sleeper team, if that's allowed to say, I would say the Dallas Stars. Um, you know, Dallas yeah. went to the Stanley Cup final, you know, a couple years ago in the bubble, and they've had that core there for a long time. They have a lot of young talent too, and Jason Robertson, who's become one of the most elite goal scorers in the NHL, and Jake Ottinger in goal. You know, he was my Vesna pick before the season. He's been incredible. He was the second best goalie in the playoffs last year, even though he only played in one round, but he basically carried them to a game seven and almost actually defeated the Flames. Um, you know, they lost in overtime in game seven on that Johnny Gaudreau goal, but the Dallas Stars have so much talent, you know, up front on the back end and in goal. They're a really good team. They're in first in their division right now. They're a team that I'd look at to win the Western Conference and maybe pull off an upset in the Stanley Cup final. 15 to 1 right now for Dallas, the eighth best price overall, the third best price from teams from the West, only behind Colorado and Las Vegas. The hottest team right now in the NHL, the Carolina Hurricanes, an 11 game win streak. Johnny, can they make it 12 tonight for Carolina? Well, I certainly hope not because they're playing my New York Rangers, and I think I actually <laughs> might be uh, in, in attendance for this game, but. I mean, Carolina has been so impressive since Rod Brindamore took over. They, I think they've won the Metropolitan Division now three years in a row. Um, and listen, this team, they might not have so many flashy superstars, but they are just so uh, cohesive as a team together, and it's very hard to outwork them. That's the one thing about Carolina is nobody's going to outskate them. Nobody's going to outcheck them. And, you know, they always play above the puck, which is 
just a common phrase in hockey for being in the right position basically at all times and you'll never catch Carolina sleeping so that's one thing that I'm a little worried about for the Rangers tonight because the Rangers you know they, they have been a little inconsistent this season so Carolina should be able to get their 12th in a row but I certainly hope not we can see the Rangers uniform over your left shoulder. A slight home underdog at Madison Square Garden tonight. Johnny Lazarus, thank you so much for your time here on the morning after on this Tuesday covering the NHL for Bleacher Report. Johnny, enjoy the game if you make it to MSG tonight. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. Happy New Year. Same to you, my friend. More of the morning after up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning app. Live on this Tuesday on SportsGrid. Our charge always on this show is to provide you context, perspective, and information. Often to make you a better sports better or a more engaged sports fan. But here live on this Tuesday, it's that information and framework around the scary situation we saw play out last night in Cincinnati for Monday night football between the Bengals and the Bills in the second year safety, DeMar Hamlin, for Buffalo. So joining us here live on this Tuesday morning, and we are very glad for his time, it is the pro football doc himself, Dr. David Chow. Dr. Chow, thank you for joining us for a second straight day. We sincerely appreciate your time on this Tuesday morning. Yeah, you know, and I thought about not doing any stuff, but you guys are friends and I do you regularly. And yes, it's a serious situation, but if I can't provide some, not speculation, but framework right. and perspective on this, then I, I shouldn't do this, you know, kind of thing. And, and here's what I will lead with. Other than being in a hospital or in an emergency room, there is no better place in my mind to collapse than an NFL field or sideline. Why? You have over two dozen medical professionals. You have the ambulance, you have oxygen, you have medications, you have a defibrillator, you have an emergency physician, you have an action plan. I mean, other than being in the hospital, that's the best place that he could be to collapse. So hopefully that is what saves him. And, you know, the Buffalo Bills statement late last night gives me a lot of hope. And I hope I'm not trying to speak a good outcome into existence, that I'm not fooling myself into that. But if I am, so be it. But uh, yeah, and you put it up right there, his heartbeat was restored on the field, which meant the CPR and the defibrillator worked. And I said this before the bill statement, I was, you know, not trying to get ahead of myself, but I was cautiously optimistic that they waited for mom in the tunnel. It's very compassionate to do that. But if he wasn't stable, they wouldn't wait. And if they're still doing CPR, they wouldn't wait for mom. If they're doing CPR on his chest in the ambulance. So that was the first sign of cautious optimism in a very scary sight, a very scary evening. And obviously people were pretty scared by the initial announcement of there being no update last night. And you know, this has nothing to do with football, 
But I was not only was praying for his health, I was praying they restart that game. And here's why, Ben. In my mind, there is no possible way they could restart that game without knowing that he was okay. And to me, if they had restarted that game, it would have been a sign that he was okay. And how this was different than anything else is that as fans and and players on the field, everyone has seen that spine board incident. Even Kevin Everett with the Bills, who was partially paralyzed. On that very same field in Cincinnati was Ryan Shazier several years ago. Okay, we've all seen that scene. We've seen it last week where people are, you know, Josh Sweat spine boarded and carted off. But you know what? You get the thumbs up and you've seen that before. But I mm-hmm. would say that it's a very rare person in your entire audience base who has witnessed a friend, colleague or anyone undergo chest compressions and CPR and be defibrillated in front of their eyes. Completely different story. There's no way you could finish that football game. And nobody cares about the game unless you know that he was okay. And it was the right thing to do to postpone it. And the NFL ultimately making that that call and decision to postpone the game between the Bengals and the Bills a little bit after 10 p.m. Eastern time. And Dr. Chow, I think you bring up excellent points right there. We all understand how dangerous and violent the sport of football can be at times for players, for staffs, for us just consuming the game as fans of the National Football League. But it's a weird circumstance to have this shared sense of grief to see an individual, a human being, collapse on the turf. And Dr. Chow, you often say this, that your team at SICscore.com, at Sports Injury Central, you're not in the business of of speculation. For the most part, you and your team are not on the sidelines, not immediately there. You're doing your work as best you can through video, and you try to provide that perspective, context, and insight based on that. So we will not speculate here, and I think those points you bring up in terms of perspective are needed right now. So I ask you this question. You saw the response from the medical staff immediately in Cincinnati last night. As you were watching that horrifying scene play out, what was your reaction to the response that played out in real time in Cincy? Well, my response, you know, uh, I, I felt like I did go on Twitter Live just to try and ease some people. I, I didn't necessarily want to do media, but I felt like everyone was in grief and shock and horror. And, and as an injury analyst and someone who's been on the sidelines, admittedly, we've never had a situation. Well, there was one situation where you could say we had CPR and it was to a uh, a chain gang crew member, uh, an elderly gentleman on the sideline. And, and the game was postponed for 10, 15 minutes as we tended to him on the sideline. But that's a different little look than the, uh, not to, to be disparaging, but a 24 year old, oh my God, healthy guy who collapses from arguably not the worst NFL hit that we've ever seen. And um, so very scary situation. So the perspective was to maybe provide some calm. And let me tell you, I give both medical staffs, and especially the Cincinnati Bengals medical staff, uh, who has a new head athletic trainer, uh, Matt Summers, that actually was with the Chargers when I was there, and he's a great athletic Mm -hmm. trainer. They, A-plus immaculate in everything that they did. Jumped right in. They drill for this. Every NFL team does. And uh, the trauma center is on standby always. You meet with the paramedics and emergency personnel before the game, all the team doctors, and uh, as much grief as the NFL often gets for concussion protocol, uh, 
this emergency action plan so far seems flawless and uh you know played a big role in so far to date saving this young man's life and i think we should all be very grateful for that yeah there hopefully can be some optimism even in that terrifying scene and dr chow the latest update we have on Damar Hamlin's condition came a little bit before 2 a.m. Eastern time from the Buffalo Bills organization. You saw it in part on your screen. It says in part, quote, his heartbeat was restored on the field and he was transferred to the UC Medical Center for further testing and treatment. He is currently sedated and listed in critical condition, end quote. Dr. Chow, to the best of your knowledge, hopefully to provide a little bit of information here, what is the process now moving forward, forward with Damar Hamlin's condition? Hopefully, we get the continued trickle of good news. I mean, he's not going to be discharged today. I mean, in the best case scenario. In the best case scenario, it's actually fairly, it's scary to have, to be intubated. It's scary to see someone with, with a breathing tube, and it's worrisome and I don't mean to minimize it, but it's routine for someone who's in critical condition and in the ICU. Number one important thing is to control airway. They need to see if he wakes up and can breathe on his own. It's normal to sedate him right now for medical reasons. Hopefully he can breathe on his own. The earliest would be later this afternoon and the, and the tube pulled out. That would be the best news today. But don't worry if it's still tomorrow. I mean, look, nobody cares about his football future or anything else or the playoff scenarios. Let's just make sure this this young man can lead a normal life and then we can cross any other bridges after that. I think that's a really, really good point, Dr. Chow. The information that we need right now is about the human being and the individual that is DeMar Hamlin, a 24-year-old second-year safety for the Buffalo Bills from the Pittsburgh area, and we got to learn a little bit about the character that DeMar Hamlin has, Dr. Chow, last night as well. What updates will you be waiting on, like the rest of us, over the next 24, 48 hours as it pertains to this situation around DeMar Hamlin? Look, I just hope for a continued trickle of good news. Uh, we're not trying to drive any news stories here or have any agenda in terms of what's going on. Uh, as news comes out, we'll help the public interpret it from a medical perspective. Uh, we're not in the speculation game. We're just trying to provide some comfort and analysis for people. Um, yeah, I can Obviously, it was very disturbing for a lot of people. It was disturbing for me to visualize. And, uh, you know, if we can hear and last night and going forward, provide a little uh, comfort framework perspective on this situation. Uh, that's all we're trying to do. I think that's a very, very fair point, Dr. Chow. Again, the latest update that we have, a little bit before 2 a.m. Eastern time from the Buffalo Bills, DeMar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest following a hit in our game versus the Bengals. His heartbeat was restored on the field and he was transferred to the UC Medical Center for further testing and treatment. He is currently sedated enlisted in critical condition any further updates that we receive here on the morning after or across the entirety of the sports grid network we will provide as they become available but dr chow thank you so much for joining us here on this tuesday morning and as you aptly said providing that perspective the context the framework to a very scary situation and scene last night in cincinnati we really really sincerely appreciate your time here on this tuesday
Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Chow. We'll come back on the morning after. And again, any further updates that we have to DeMar Hamlin's condition, we will provide here on TM. Come back on the morning after on the other side of the break with a focus on the NBA and the hottest team in the association. The Brooklyn Nets have won 12 straight games. Thank you for joining us here on TMA. More after the break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Chase for 12 straight on the line last night in Brooklyn. A star-studded affair at the Barclays Center for the Brooklyn Nets hosting the San Antonio Spurs. The Nets looking to win their 12th consecutive basketball game. On this Tuesday morning, live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid, I am Ben Stevens. We are very pleased to welcome back onto the show, it is Chris Milholland from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation covering all things Brooklyn Nets. He was with us a majority of last year's NBA campaign through some of the off-season and summer drama for the Brooklyn Nets as well, but now, Chris, it's just about highlighting the best basketball team in the NBA, or at least currently the hottest team in the association. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Tuesday on the morning after. It's been, it's been a minute, boys. I'm glad to come back. And obviously, you know, when we last talked, everything was in shambles. You never know where this franchise was going to go. And now it's been a complete 180, one of those historic turnarounds that I haven't seen in a long time in the NBA. A very historic turnaround after some early season drama off the court for the Brooklyn Nets. They entered last night riding an 11-game win streak at home against the San Antonio Spurs. Make that 12 straight for Brooklyn. A decisive victory last night at home inside Barclays. So, Chris, the question is pretty simple for you. What has been the biggest key? What is the number one reason for this 12-game winning streak for the Brooklyn Nets? I'll give you two because I think they're equivalent value. I think one that the team's finally almost fully healthy, right? They've always had the one guys that, you know, they they've haven't had a clean injury report since 2019. But over these past couple, like, five or six games, they've always had, like, a clean injury slate. And then one guy pops up as probable, questionable, whatever the case is. And obviously they have a little bit of a non-COVID illness going around that you saw, like, Royce O'Neal got cut. Uh, got a late scratch from the lineup yesterday. And you've traced back a couple of days ago with Seth Curry as well. So you can tell that's kind of going around. So it's interesting to see how that kind of develops these next couple days, when, especially when they hit the road. But um, the other part of it, too, is uh, Kyrie Irving. I think Kyrie Irving plays a huge part in it as well. I think, um, obviously, Kevin Durant's going to be brilliant on the basketball court, giving you at least 29 a game, right? We've seen the type of streaks he's had with 25-plus. Obviously, not taking his foot off the gas. But when you also have guys like Kyrie Irving, who's not, not even just available, but delivering high-power scoring, that's been huge as well, and you know, then you obviously have the other supporting cast that are solidifying their roles, finding their roles with uh, playing along the side of the stars, such as Utah and Navi and a couple of diamond rough players. So when you add it all up on top of a favorable slate, we're at 12 win, 12 straight wins, one game back of the Celtics for the first seed, and yeah, it's been a smooth sail so far. 12 straight victories for the Brooklyn Nets, a 25 in 12 straight up record, as Chris highlighted right there, just one game back of Boston. 
both in the East and the overall NBA for the best record in the league at this point. Kyrie Irving last night, 27 points over his points prop. Showing off the hops as well, a putback dunk for Kyrie that highlighted all of Barclays Center. Kevin Durant goes under his points prop, only 25 for the easy money sniper, but he only played 29 minutes in the route of San Antonio last night. Again, the final, as you saw, 139-103. You mentioned how crucial, obviously, both KD and Kyrie have been, Chris, for this 12-game streak for the Brooklyn Nets. How have you evaluated their play throughout this 12-game win streak? It's been very well. I mean, obviously, you could tell. I think the biggest factor in that kind of increased level of play when it comes to winning has been kind of they found, starting to, they're starting to find their defensive identity, right? Because this team has always been built on, especially since Jack Vaughn came over, is kind of working with for your teammates, kind of making that second that second help for your teammates. Off-ball defense, type of switching defense, making those hustle plays, you know, recovering for each other, play, mostly just playing for each other in general. And also the biggest thing is, too, is like Jack Vaughn's held them accountable. That's like been a huge thing as well, right? You see sometimes when the Nets, it could be two minutes into the game. I've seen it as early as a minute into the game. And Jack Vaughn doesn't see what he likes. He's calling a timeout right then and there to discuss what's going on, right? So you see that's kind of been a big attribute. Obviously, the Stars lead it all. So obviously, with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving bordering 30 points and, you know, putting up historic stats, I think they're one of, uh, outside of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, the only duo in the NBA that's averaging like 25 or 27 points a game, something like that. Yeah. And then, like I mentioned before, all the role guys, you see guys like Yuta Watanabe obviously making a huge impact with his three-point shooting, his backdoor cutting. Then you got guys like, obviously, Joe Harris providing that shooting. And then you just go down the roster with the depth, the pieces. Obviously, Claxton's huge career leap that he's taken. Obviously, he should be in kind of a conversation for a defensive player of the year. He's been the anchor on that defensive end of the floor, especially that identity. So when you kind of just put a bow on everything, kind of deep dive into what's going on in the hardwood, you know, you could tell that this team's really firing on all cylinders. So only 25 points last night for KD, but a guy that's nearly mm -hmm. averaging 30 points per game throughout this 2022-23 NBA season. 29.6 points per game is the overall mm -hmm. average. He's shooting better than 55% from the field, nearly 36% from three as well. Chris, he has the fifth best price to win the NBA MVP at this moment, mm -hmm. plus 850. But with this tear that Brooklyn is on, a 12-game win streak, do you believe Kevin Durant should be getting more consideration for the NBA's MVP award? Without a doubt, without a doubt. And I'm not trying to just sound biased because I'm around the guy a lot. But, like, you know, it's I'm, I'm telling you, man, like, you know, especially when you look at the MVPs and obviously these past couple of years, you kind of see who who the award kind of leans towards, right? Guys that don't aren't playing with a, a co-all-star, co-superstar. And, you know, obviously Jokic and Giannis have dominated that award as of late. But, you know, with Kevin, you know, it's when you look at the stats, you look at the box score, you look at obviously the team's success, kind of everything you kind of bona fide in what an MVP is and the MVP award. And I know obviously that could kind of get a little messy when a lot of guys talk about, well, what classifies as an MVP, right, in the league. But he's having a career year at age 34, right? Every single head coach, that, opposing head coach that you ask when they come in, like Steve Clifford or Greg Popovich, for example, uh, yesterday, they all say, like, hey, like, 
we we know this guy just he just goes out there and hoops like you know like there's no stopping him there's no and like the interesting part too with kevin was uh like uh what was it probably a week ago he was talking about like hey how can we ask him like how can you even take your game to even a, a higher level and say like, hey just reading opposing defenses seeing what the defense is going to throw at me reading new defensive coverages and obviously it's going very well the nets have done a great job combating that as well with off ball movement and kind of having a catch off the dribble rather than taking on the defense in a stagnant position but you know, I think at those odds, um, I, w- I would sprinkle a little bit. You know, I'm not I'm not really the most betting guy in the world, but I, I would give it a little sprinkle. I mean, we've seen historic individual performances out of Luka Doncic last week. Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell goes off for 71 points last night as well. But oftentimes, regardless of sport, you correlate team success to individual success, and Brooklyn has won 12 straight games. And of course, Kevin Durant, a huge component of that Chris you've been on the show so many times and often mm-hmm. you've been here the mm-hmm. odds have always been favorable for the yeah. Brooklyn Nets they won 12 mm-hmm. of 13 games in the month of December the old adage goes new year new us Brooklyn says nah new year same us 12 of 13 in December a perfect 1-0 now in 2023 here in January and Chris as we were highlighting there you've seen the odds slash in half over the last month 16 to 1 on december 3rd it is january 3rd now 8 to 1 for brooklyn the third best price the odds have always looked at kevin durant and kyrie irving and ben simmons and been optimistic but the results on the court haven't really lived up to that expectation now they are so chris milholland is this version of the brooklyn nets a true title contender you know man i've given you the same answer and i have to go with the same one it's if this team could stay healthy they, they have the best chance of anyone out there you know that that's as simple as it's put right because we've seen with this nets team obviously the last couple of years obviously the COVID outbreaks the obviously kevin durant's freak knee injury that took him out nearly five weeks then obviously the kyrie irving vaccination refusal that led to an absence right you have all those type of things that countered in but now with this whole team being together for this stretch and obviously i'm not going to be the guy that says hey the schedule hasn't been favorite favorable right it's been a favorable schedule as of late but it's also been a lot of road games as well that's what a lot of people don't have kind of like overlooked right so i think they have the best chance of out of anyone out there i wasn't the bit the best of biggest believers you know going into this season because obviously the turmoil and everything that went on in the offseason right but I think the team really passed that adversity period, that rare test of adversity, because in the beginning, heading into this year, I was like, hey, I just got to see this team face adversity, a real hit of adversity, and obviously that was through the first seven games of the season when Steve had Steve got uh, departed ways with the team. And, you know, I think now rolling 12 straight, I think it's like eight, 17 of their last 18 games they won, no signs of slowing down at all um knock on wood but um so we'll 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 kind of see we'll we'll see what happens here but i like i said i give them the best chance out of anyone out there i think realistic threats are boston milwaukee in the the east that's kind of the only roadblocks i see for them i'm glad you bring up that point because the eight to one Mm -hmm. number for brooklyn to win the nba title is the third best number behind two other teams from the eastern conference boston is the favorite milwaukee the second best price the three best prices to win an nba championship chris all from the eastern conference so brooklyn not only the third best price to win the whole dang thing the third best price to win the eastern conference crown so how do you evaluate that path 
through the Eastern Conference against teams like the Celtics and the Bucks, and maybe throwing the Sixers or the Cavaliers into the fold as well. You know, because it's interesting, right, because the East is so deep. You even look down for, like, obviously the Cavs, for example, the Sixers, right? Then you kind of scroll a little more down the list. Like, you got to wonder how, obviously, when you hit the trade deadline, which teams sell, which teams buy, which what's going to go on in Atlanta, for example, right? But for this Nets team over these past couple playoff berths, and obviously you've, you've seen past two years, they've had tough matchups the, the past two years, right? Obviously last year with the Celtics in the first round, and then obviously the year before that they got obviously the the um, kind of the uh, tough defeat with the, the foot on the line with Giannis and all that, yeah. right? So and that was in the second round. But, you know, I think, I think it really comes down to if this team could really finish in that top three spot, a top three seed, if not top two, kind of lessen or lower their kind of load to in the first round series and kind of a playing tournament get those buys those uh those buy days um while the playing's going on the rest is valuable you know what i mean so i think that's that's really what it comes down to so i think if they lessen that kind of path and not really go through a lot of uh difficult stretches early on in the playoffs and like i said before if they stay healthy that's number one um i could see them going there and obviously when you run into boston or, or milwaukee in the second round whichever one um or hey, may it may not be both, you know. So or yeah, I'd have to run into the Eastern Conference Finals. But you know, I think if they could lessen the load, kind of really just um, figure out, um, try to finish top three in the East, I think they have a great shot. Listen, it's only January, but we always project that's, out that's the problem to too. in late April and May as well. Certainly, that is the case, Chris. So twelve straight wins for Brooklyn. Often when we have spoken about the Brooklyn Nets over the last season in the NBA, it's been drama-focused. Now it's just winning basketball games. So, Chris, you're around these guys pretty much each and every day. Only a minute left here in this segment. What is the team's yeah. mentality now riding this 12-game streak? Simply stay focused on basketball, Get try to learn, try to get better each and every day, and just kind of work and really find, find each other as teammates, right? Because... We asked that we asked those questions like maybe a week ago about hey how's the basketball been like since off court distractions are out of the way and there's no distractions, and obviously all the guys are going to say hey you know that hasn't been an issue you know that like we've always been focused on basketball and stuff like that but you could just tell the mood around this team's always happy another big slicing obviously uh, that's uh, we all wrote stories on it like a couple weeks ago as well is the Jack Vaughn slicing of shootarounds and practices and all that stuff giving the guys extra rest and holding them accountable. So when you tie that all into like the mix together, you know, I think that's the, been the recipe for success. And, you know, it's a happy mood around this team. I'm interested to see what happens in the coming, game, the coming days to come and who comes All-Stars. Chris Milhon, we thank you for your time. Thank you for being back on the show. More of the morning after. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out our two hours together. Live on a Tuesday morning on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, channel 159. It's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Sports Grid Network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this Tuesday morning. We've mixed in some sports, some highlights around the landscape, but mainly the focus on this Tuesday morning has been DeMar Hamlin's condition after a scary scene in Cincinnati last night on Monday Night Football. 
No further update at this moment. Since that statement, the Buffalo Bills organization released a little bit prior to 2 a.m. Eastern time in the overnight hours. We have shared it multiple times. You see it there on your screen. I said it at the top of the show. I'll close with the same sentiment. The reason I am here is because I love sports. Quite possibly the most significant portion of my life. And last night's game in Cincinnati had that significance. One of the most important NFL football games of the entire year. But quickly, the significance of sports can become the least significant thing in our lives as we focus on human beings and individuals. And that is what DeMar Hamlin is, first and foremost. A 24-year-old, sixth-round draft pick out of Pittsburgh. He was a four-star recruit out of the greater Pittsburgh metro area who decided to stay home for the Pittsburgh Panthers to make an impact on his community. And that is exactly what he is doing. Because in terrifying scenes, often we try to find some restoration in the human faith. And that's what we saw last night. As he finished college, DeMar Hamlin started his Chasing M's Foundation to give back to his community through a toy drive in a GoFundMe link. His initial goal was $2,500. That link has been shared out and make sure it's the verified link from the sources that you trust. But his initial goal was $2,500 with the donations of many around the sports and NFL community. It is now north of $3.7 million. More updates on DeMar Hamlin's condition throughout the day here on the Sports Grid Network. I'm Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us today. That does it for the morning after.